Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, if my voice is slightly echoey today, I apologize. I have moved back down into the basement after being flooded out for almost two months, thanks to the torrential monsoon that we had here in the Bay Area. Wat Chu is our guest today. I think this is his fourth appearance on the show. <laughs> it might be. Is it? Including the live Well, I guess the live one, one counts, yeah. right? So Yeah, that counts. That counts. So wow. that's four. Um, <laughs> Do we get, so, like, is there, like, a jacket or anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should make a jacket or, like, a championship. I think there's too many championship belts right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, part of this whole subculture that I don't understand that I feel extremely adjacent to. And, honestly, I'm surprised that I'm not part of. But, you know, like, sort of grown men who are really into WWE and tweet about it all the time or WWE, like, professional wrestling. Um, they're constantly making championship belts for themselves and it's uh it's uh it's what do you cool. mean fans fans do this for themselves i mean like podcasts do it you know like it's like a it's like a whole thing so i i'm fascinated by this subculture but it's like one that i thoroughly don't understand to myself because i don't know anything about professional wrestling like i didn't watch it as a kid and wait do they give the belts out to yeah, guests or Does what do rotate? they wear them while they're podcasting how does this work <laughs> I, I think it's basically you win anything you get a championship belt um i don't think it's podcast specific but you know <laughs> okay. like okay I, it's uh i don't know it's it's uh it's a whole thing i've never been into professional wrestling it's not i'm not saying that as like a, oh you know that's because i'm so cultured or anything yeah. it's just like it's just like a world that i don't quite understand <laughs> maybe if they had an asian representation in <laughs> last right. that would, uh, it matters to see yourself in the world you know <laughs> yeah. i bet they did someone's Wait, gonna the, there's gotta have been, been some something. like racist sumo wrestler <laughs> yeah, in the there. 80s right yeah like, i actually think there was i remember watching this with my brother yeah there's gotta be yeah. like sergeant slaw versus like the rising sun or something well they had the iron <laughs> they had the iron sheet oh, that, right yeah that's yeah. true yeah it's true i mean i i would assume that they would have one racist caricature from every race around they the tried world. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like it would be like that game punch out where they had great tiger and they had bald bull and like um you know like it was basically every character don flamenco was like the anti-italian one <laughs> like or maybe spanish i think they had yes. a uh, racist representation of every single that's hilarious culture and i would think that but you know what i don't remember oh, what the yeah, asian wrestler was and it's funny because that that women's wrestling show glow that kind of picks up on that era like they have a fem female version of the iron sheik but they don't have an asian one yeah, yeah, the Sorry, Iron Chef would have been, you know, something like Iron that. Chef would have said. Or Tiger Mom. <laughs> yeah, Tiger Mom. <laughs> if it were made today, that's yeah. hilarious. Uh, so I uh, I actually just Googled this because I was so curious. I guess Ricky Steamboat was Asian in the 1980s. I just remember the name. But there's a Bleacher Report article, is WWE racist against Asians? Oh. So, huh. Okay. So someone, someone's already been thinking about this since at least 2008. <laughs> So. I'm sure there's a podcast about that. <laughs> the, the, David Shoemaker does that podcast, Cheap Heat. You know, yeah. Um, maybe maybe we should lobby to be guests on. Now yeah. That you, now that you've won the Pulitzer, well, I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Yeah. Wow, has recently won the Pulitzer. You can you can lobby to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, crazy because. They now give out championship belts for that too. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's no longer like little coin thing. Um, you, you should your pitch should be like, uh, I'd like to come on and 
talk about my deep ambivalence <laughs> about the fact that there was no Asian American. <laughs> In fact, I just Googled it because that's how much I care about it. Um, and like, let's talk about it. And you can just be uncomfortable the whole time. Um, anyway, that's not why what we brought you on here to talk about. Uh, the first thing we want to do is take care of a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, that's like an extremely weird thing that I just did. Do you know who starts his uh, podcast with like, First, a little bit of housekeeping, and then just like kind of talks about the logistics of the podcast. It's Sam Harris, and um, wait, the uh, weird, the atheist, faith guy, not uh, anti-faith guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who does like okay. kind of like a weird podcast where um, it's very popular. I listened to like five episodes of it at some point because he was interviewing Daniel Dennett. I think, I think that's oh, why wow. I was listening to it. But um, and I thought that was interesting. But Random. you know. It, it's very, it's, it's a very weird podcast. It's for like a very specific type of dude. And it's like kind of intellectual dark web, for atheism, sure. kind of like what, what, what like kitchens and all those people kind of metastasize into, which is a much more reactionary and frankly stupid version of it. But um, I can't believe I just did that. It's like a dog. <laughs> Some people call it dog whistle. They're like, oh, he's dog whistling. <laughs> <laughs> to his new it's a pretty obscure dog yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't think so that podcast is huge oh i see um okay so uh we still have the june 10th picnic in brooklyn um for subscribers and people in the discord we're gonna put the location in the discord and the time and everything like that uh we'll email you as well if you are on substack i unfortunately will not be there um, as I explained before, the reason why I was going to be there was because uh, uh, the film that I directed was going to be in the Tribeca Film Festival, but that is not happening. And at some point, I will explain all of that. But right now, I cannot. Um, but Tammy will be there and Andy will be there as well. So if you want to meet the original crew, then they will be there and we'll have food and drink and we'll have some tote bags for sale and if you'd like to come or if you'd like to sort of be part of this community that we've been building for three years, you can sub subscribe at Substack or Patreon. It's only $5 a month. You will help sh put the show together. Like I've always said, we don't make a lot of money on the show, but like your contributions are enough for us to keep it going. And uh, yeah, we're very thankful for the people who support us all the time. It's goodbye.substack.com or patreon.com slash ttsg pod um okay anyway i didn't mean to interrupt what we were talking about right there uh yeah it's like professional wrestling atheism, atheism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the pulitzer <laughs> belt prize <laughs> yeah we don't have to talk about any of that um why well, i promise that we wouldn't talk about you too much today and so i don't want to like there's nothing there's no and when i was a television correspondent I had this realization. I think I've talked about it before, but you know how when you are uh, watching TV and you see somebody ask a question and the question is always like, when this happened, like, what, how did you feel? You know, and you, <laughs> right. Been <laughs> you, there before. Right, right, right. Like, that. Yeah. There's like two questions. <laughs> One is the sideline reporter question where it's yeah. like, you know, in the last eight seconds when, you know, the game was on the line and you caught the ball from, uh, like Marcus Smart or something like that. What was going through your mind? <laughs> yeah, what was you know, and the players are always just like, like some of them try, and you know, they're like, well, you know, I like, did. Frankly, I was shocked that Marcus Smart passed me the ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. 
so that's probably the one truthful answer. But the other truthful answer is like, well, I just thought I should shoot the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, what exactly was going head. through my mind? And then the well, other question, of course, is like, when the ball went, take us through that moment when the ball went yeah. through the net. Like, how did it make you feel? Right. And then you think when you watch it, you're like, wow, that's like the dumbest question ever because it goes, <laughs> it's like, it's for every single situation. They're like, you know, when you reach the debt ceiling agreement, you know, Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> what was going through your mind when you, you know, saw that signature on that piece of paper? And he's probably like, I don't, maybe that answer would be more interesting. But he, you know, it's also like, how does it make you feel to have <laughs> And the reason why they do those questions is because you have to, you know, you kind of like, it does actually produce something that you're looking for and like you can That's spend wow. yeah because you could the other option is you can spend two hours trying to artfully avoid that question and not get anywhere you know and just ask a bunch of yes no questions and it's like horrible and so you might as well just like go straight to how does how does it make you feel <laughs> anyway the point being i won't ask how does it you know what was Wait, going through you know, your mind you know what you saw what, the tweet <laughs> what i'm realizing as you're pointing this out and i think it applies to i don't know like do you feel like podcasting, listening to or hosting one has sort of permeated the way you just engage with people in general? Because I feel like <laughs> watching sports and listening to talk radio really influences the way I teach. Because like, I've definitely asked oh, wow. versions of both questions you just put out there. Like, like when, when we got to this point in the novel, like, how did you feel? Because like, there's no at a certain point, like intellectual <laughs> questions just break down. I'm just like, I just want to yeah, know, like, actually. did you feel anything in this moment? And then the other one I'll always ask is like, what did you think of the ending? You know, and like, <laughs> they sound like such like incredibly <laughs> stupid questions. But, you know, sometimes you kind of have to ask the open ended, seemingly dumb question in hopes that someone is like, you know, like I felt nothing or I felt like I thought it was funny, even though it was such a depressing thing or something like that. Yeah, Tammy, what about you? How has how has pod three years of podcasting infected your uh, infected your life in the way (laughs) that you uh, a in your day to day and b in how you conduct interviews in your day job? Yeah, it's interesting. I remember at the beginning of this podcast, we would like have very detailed preparation documents, and like Jay was telling Andy and me, he's like, "You guys, like, it's not like it's not like when you do like a regular interview and you can like cut stuff out. You have to like cut to the chase, kind of thing." And so I do think maybe there's like a more direct style. And also, like, I think there's like a way of narrating on a podcast that you that is like different than you would do or or that I would act in in regular life. Like, I kind of have these long, like just meandering style of interviews normally. And now it's like kind of more compressed and the storytelling is kind of more direct, I guess. Yeah. Isn't it better? Don't you think? I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, probably. It's more efficient. Being on television made it so that I basically just asked bang bang questions where i just go down a list you know mm-hmm. yeah and then, and then you know even <laughs> even if it's over zoom or on the phone i which most of my interviews are now but like i just kind of nod you know or like <laughs> because that's what i was taught to do yeah but um i don't think that the quality has gone down from before when I was a magazine reporter and I'd be like, oh, you know, like I would have this almost vision of verite in my head, you know, where it's like, oh, <laughs> I'll just like 
sit in the corner very quietly. That's how I'm always six hours. Yeah. Bored out of my mind, taking like (laughs) taking notes occasionally, like, you know, wishing I could be looking at my phone, watching like YouTube TV or something like that. And then um, occasionally I'll slip in a question. And, you know, in my head, there's like a vision of a reporter that's being like embedded. And For sure. Cur- yeah, fly like on the wall. Joan Didion like... watching the doors eat hard boiled Totally. Eggs. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Or watching like Eldridge Cleaver like stomp around an apartment yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? And it's like, but that's like bullshit. <laughs> you know, like they know you're there, right? They yeah. don't drop the guard. And so, like, yes, there is a point where you can wear somebody down and get to that point. But I don't know. I think I, you can also just, like, ask them very, like, very upfront what the question is. Yeah. And then when they start to, like, pre- I don't know. What, what does the word prevaricate mean? Is that, am I using That's this word lie. correctly? Oh, yeah. When they start to prevaricate or they start to kind of go <laughs> oh, on. I've been using that word wrong for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you think it meant? I thought it meant to just kind of... Um, grandstand and just like i guess the word is so long i thought it meant just like to fill like filibuster okay that's what i thought it meant too i want and honestly i just it was it was close (laughs) and what tammy said was close enough to that that i just took i just took credit for it (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad you asked though yeah oh then you just cut them off and you just re-ask them again and you ask them like four times yeah yeah because that makes that would make good for good television drama you know like you just you're like I remember there's a video where somebody I worked with who I thought was very good at interviewing was interviewing Mike Cernovich, and she just kept asking the same question over and over again. But and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of effective, you know. So I don't know. I find that that works too, but um, I don't actually, you know, I don't. Sometimes I feel like I'm just trying to get the interview over with because I don't want to do it, you know. But um, <laughs> you mean in general or like when you were doing TV? Oh, well, when I was doing TV, I was trying to get the cameras turned off as quickly as possible because I hated sitting there, you know? Yeah. It's um, like way too must quiet. must have been really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like there are lights and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just weird. And it's not so hot because we didn't, couldn't afford that many lights. Advice, <laughs> 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 you know, but. <laughs> oh my God. R.I.P. Vice. Yeah. 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 Oh. It's. I don't really have anything to say about that. What is? Yeah. Wait, is it? Uh, sorry, I'm. Is it? Is Vice just gone now? Ooh, I don't know. The so the show, they have a Showtime show that was that is a variant of their HBO show, right? And it's the same sort of international reporting, and um, that show still exists. And you know, um, I don't know. I a lot Did of my I hear friend- that like George Soros is going to buy Vice or something. Uh, it, heard, it sounds like I a joke, that but too. it's I not know. a real thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of but like weird... someone, someone's going to buy it, presumably, right? And I don't know. Uh, I think so. I don't know how I these things so. work anymore? Yeah, I mean, that's still a brand. Now, whether it's worth anything is, you know, debatable. Right. And like, they still have people who are talented at making a couple of things right um and that's sort of all that vice makes anymore but in terms of their grand ambitions of turning it into the world's biggest branded marketing studio um that's worth like you know several billion dollars i think that's over right but um i don't know it's uh 
and all the like investigative web and news journalism or the um news web journalism stuff seems to be gone pretty much i mean i don't know how they're gonna yeah it's really right let's bring that back and they were doing such amazing stuff like in labor and politics yeah tech so i that's a huge loss and especially right after buzzfeed I don't know any like once I left there I stopped I like I have friends there that I still talk to but we don't talk about vice you know um that's not because of any traumatic thing it's just because it's like well what are we you know we don't because you're actually friends right Right. we don't have to talk about work or like the drama around there I actually think that when we were working there and um the times was doing their investigation of uh you know sexual harassment within the company Mm -hmm. um that it kind of burned us all out on talking about the company at all. Cause mm. for, you know, I don't know if you work in a workplace that's going through that, then, um, I and I am not saying this in any sort of way to like excuse whatever behavior was happening. Right. I'm just talking about the experience of somebody who works there where the only conversation every day sure. for seven months, nine months is when is the shoe going to drop and when are we potentially all going to lose our jobs? You know, mm. That you get kind of burned out on talking about work. You don't talk about work very much at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, this has been a big week in television. So the succession finale happened. Um, I watched it in the same way that I watch almost every single TV show, which is uh, I kind of half watch it. And I only watch shows that my wife is really into. And then I do the annoying thing where I just don't pay enough attention. And then I ask my wife what's happened. You know, it's like a lot of like, who's that person type of thing. And she, <laughs> she started to like, kind of like, there was a period where she would like secretly watch the show before. <laughs> and she'd be like, I already watched it. And I'd be like, Oh, she watch okay. it at a normal speed. Yeah. She watches okay. it at normal speed. Okay. That's probably part of the reason why I can't pay yeah, attention no the kidding. whole time. <laughs> but I did watch the entire last season of Succession pretty carefully. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, wow, what do you think of it? I know Tammy hasn't seen it, so let's keep this short so that we don't feel like we're just <laughs> okay. doing this. So, like, well, what do you think? Wait, you don't, you haven't seen it, Tammy, but are you going to watch it soon? Or It's okay. I already you know everything that happens. Oh, okay. But I'm going to watch it someday. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed it. it was, it's hard to end a series, I would say. So I thought it was pretty satisfying. I was hoping, though, and um, the writer Alex Wong tweeted something to this effect. He wrote, uh, first Lawrence Yee gets teased to be CEO, but doesn't even appear on screen. Now Spo might blow a 3-0 lead. Tough finish to be in Heritage <laughs> Month. Um, and I, when they mentioned Lawrence Yee from Volter, I was like, cool, like we're going to get, like literally everyone is coming back for this final episode. So... Yeah. This isn't like a this isn't a representation thing. I just thought it'd be really funny if that guy came back. Uh, yeah, other than that, I thought it was really I don't know. It was just it's succession. Like it's it's always good in kind of the same way. Like it's really well written. People are just in, insanely good at acting. Um, I feel like I'm just describing television now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're moving through space and we're watching them. But I. It, I actually like felt no stress whatsoever. Like in mm. previous episodes, like, you know, with the election episode, I felt a little bit of stress because it, they did a good job of like putting you in that pressurized environment. But I was like, I actually just don't care who gets the company in the end. Isn't that bad that you didn't feel any stress? That seems like an indictment. Who are um, you rooting? Who are you rooting? The show. No, the show. Were you rooting for anyone? Lucas Madsen. You're rooting for him? Uh, why? Yeah. 
just because now, he's so now funny. online it's basically like been like who you're rooting for it, it reveals your deepest inner you know feelings about universal health care and capitalism or whatever so like, who are <laughs> who's the right answer I, I don't know i don't <laughs> like know I don't, they're don't all terrible yeah, like yeah i i think that um yeah i don't know i i didn't care at all like at the end in the last episode when you sort of when the three siblings seem to be on the same wavelength i was like cool like i i actually don't care anymore because they're all they're all terrible and inept <laughs> and now they've combined forces to be this like shitty nepo voltron like it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> it was at least kind of interesting to see them stabbing each other in the back so yeah you know i guess i was i guess i was kind of rooting for matson because he was at least like hilarious and also pretty upfront about how shitty he was. Mm. I felt like this twin poll where like I was rooting for Tom once they, it became clear that he might have a chance. Yeah. And the reason why was just because I felt like it would be the funniest outcome and that, you know, I just like don't, you know, I wanted the three kids to suffer. But then I also like had this very like intrusion in my head that I should examine a little bit more, but it was like, but he's not qualified. <laughs> and then, of course, all the other things like, well, what does qualification mean for a CEO of like a dumb big Fox News type of company? You know, obviously, this is just, you know, like these are all things I know. Wait, but wait how is he not qualified, though? He he I actually know. ran ATN well. I don't right? know. I don't know. It was like a, I, it was literally like an intrusive thought that I had that I was like, thinking and i was like oh but he doesn't deserve it type of thing you know <laughs> right and i feel like it's a deeply like weird you know bootstrapsy immigrant type of intrusion that you you know haterism where you just think nobody actually deserves the thing that they have except you know because they didn't work hard enough for it um that's and that, hilarious that's why i that, thought lawrence ye you know i was like i i probably know how he he grew up you know right right, right. <laughs> and then the other the, and then the three kids, I don't know. I, I, I felt the same way with you. It was like this interesting decision that they made. I saw that Brian Cox gave an interview where he said that he thought they killed him off too early in the season. And I kind of feel that way too, where it's just like once the father's love uh, sort of part of it is out of it, then the stakes minimize quite a bit for the kids, right? Like who cares? Like they're billionaires. They can do whatever they want. And like they don't even seem to want to run this company. And so then... Do you should you feel totally crushed when they can't? Um, but maybe that was a part of it. Maybe that was intentional. You know, maybe it was the idea that like these things end up just being kind of vanity projects for these children anyway, and that like nothing is real right to them, um, and they live in this totally fake world. And the only intrusion of it that any of them ever feel is when Kendall's kids are getting harassed by like uh, you know. Uh, Jared Menken supporter or something like that, right? And that, and then he flips out because like it's like intruding on this game that he's doing. But um, I don't know. I don't have anything particularly deep to say about mm. it. I just felt like we should have our perfunctory succession <laughs> conversation. Um, but did we you guys ever watch that, that show Empire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think about that? Because I really Much... liked the first season. I think I watched the first season, and yeah. uh, and then I think it coincided with no longer having any time to watch TV. Yeah. Oh yeah, I liked Empire a lot, but I um, thought it started out really good. It got music bad was great. Later, I know, music music was great. yeah, it was it was like a little crazy how easy they made it seem to just manufacture these hit songs just on <laughs> yeah, a TV they were show. So good. Yeah, I know. 
Isn't there one like drip drop drip or something? Drop. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Song was so good. Yeah. <laughs> that still like will flash through. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just see a still from that video. So. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, yeah. Uh, oh, can I say one thing though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few weeks ago, my kid does Taekwondo. That's not the end of the story. Like, and around the corner, like I'm always just wandering around Brooklyn for 40 minutes while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I walked in the Salvation Army and there was this orange jacket that said Waystar Royco Adventureland okay. or Waystar Royco Adventures. And I took a picture of it and put it on Instagram because I thought that's funny. And then my friend, um, this dude, Lei Takanashi, he's like, uh, works for Complex. But he used to make his living as a reseller. And he was like, bro, I hope you bought that because that's actually from the set of Succession because none of those are available. And he started sending me these Reddit threads where someone else had found one of these out in the wild. And it's from the scene where Greg is getting the orientation for working at the amusement park. Oh, yeah. And I was at home. This was hours later. And he was like, that's that's like a piece from the set like these are really rare like you got to go back and get it so i literally went outside joined city bike which (laughs) i had resisted doing for like many years and like biked back to the salvation army um and got it and it was like a true a true victory you should go on you know the one thing i've been spending a lot of time doing um is watching pawn stars oh yeah there's I love all this these, show. So this is like, like your antique roadshow thing. Yeah, there are all these dedicated uh, TikTok channels to Pawn Stars where they just oh. show the... It's really annoying, actually, because the TikTok isn't long enough to do the whole thing. So they're like, part yeah. one, part two, part three, and then you'll watch this thing in three parts. Sometimes they like don't put part three in, and then you're just furious. <laughs> but that'd be a, they do. They have a lot of stuff from sets on that show. You know, um, they're like, oh, this is obviously some stuff is very worth, like worth a ton. Like you know, yeah. Yesterday, I watched one of like, oh, this is what Christopher Reeve wore in the first Superman. It's Superman costumes worth $200,000 or something like that. But um, you could go on there in like 15 years and be like, you know, succession, right? Yeah. <laughs> like so I was is- rooting for the sh- the finale to be a classic so that the reputation of the show would only grow over the years and right. that interest in memorabilia from the show would also grow. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think it's not a- like if you found had something from Homeland. Right. And, you know, and, and by the end, people would just like stop watching it all together. But right. But if it was like The Wire, for example, and you had like uh, the briefcase that um, that the lawyer has right in that show, then that would be I would maybe think about throwing it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Like one of Omar's do-rags or something like that. But uh, I think Succession will be in that tier. And yeah, I don't it's hope so. you. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I don't think that it's going to be. Um, I don't think it because of the finale, because weirdly, I think finales are talked about and more iconic when they're like confusing and bad. Right. Um, and I think everybody was kind of satisfied by the succession finale and thought it was good. And so in that way, it's not going to be like the Sopranos where everyone's like, what the fuck happened? You know, I thought my TV went out or or Seinfeld where everybody was like, you know, I don't think young people remember this, but like people are like so mad at the Seinfeld finale um or mad men even where um, actually mad men i think was a satisfying ending in the same way that succession was right but i think succession will be like the way you should you should hold on to that you know 
put it in uh, established provenance, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. I entered into the blockchain, you know? <laughs> oh, man. All right, cool. All right. Um, okay, Tammy, <laughs> the end of our last episode last week, we had this sort of frightening moment, I would say, because Tammy was headed off to Paris, right? <laughs> and then Tammy, like in our Telegram group that we have with our producer, May Schatz, uh, sends this message. She's like, Oh no, I just ate something and I didn't realize it was edibles and I ate a whole bunch of them and I have to go to the airport. <laughs> and I, I read this and I'm like, there's no way that Tammy is making it to the airport. This is the biggest disaster I've ever seen. And then it's radio silence for about like 16 hours that I'm like picturing Tammy either on a plane talking about nothing, you know, maybe like talking about like you know chatting up the the flight attendants about like labor in a way that like makes no sense you know <laughs> or just like catatonic in a scary way where like everyone around is like is this person alive <laughs> like what happened okay i don't know any of the details except that you eventually got what happened it was very scary so this is yeah two weeks ago and part of this was not the reason that we had to skip last week although maybe it was partially related but i was going to paris with a friend and yeah, I had received like a goodie bag from an event that I had gone to and it was like these like chips and I had no idea that they were edibles and I ate the Wait, entire was this the, bag. The, the goodie bag that everyone was given? Yes, which is also really weird to me That's that they didn't up. mark awesome that because I know I'm like, but why was this like not like clearly marked? Anyway, so I I don't know about you guys. I mean, I feel like you guys have maybe had more experience than I did. When I was a kid, I was nobody ever offered me a drug ever, like ever, and I had like basically had no experience or exposure to weed until I was like in my twenties, and I don't do any of this on a regular basis. The edibles nearly killed me. I also had to go to New Jersey to Newark Airport, and I really did not think I was going to make it. It was what you described, Jay, like the catatonia. Like I just had no idea what was going on or where I was, but I also was too afraid to take a cab all the way to New Jersey. <laughs> so I, I really need like the minute by minute here. Oh my God. Yeah, me so too. You were given this bag of chips. I was given a bag of chips. I thought they were regular potato chips. I was packing and I was extremely hungry. Yeah. So I ate basically the entire bag. And what's I have no like, idea what the grams are. Do you guys know okay. what the grams are? What was the packaging? Yeah, I mean. Okay, so. It would be funny if the event was actually like Le Smoker's Delight or something. And then you just completely <laughs> missed it. it was... Okay, well, there is like one giveaway that I'm a little bit embarrassed about. But the product is called Faded Puffs. Oh, but yeah. that's not enough. That's okay, not enough. thank you. I do not think that's enough. What's, okay, oh, this is says, actually one of my big uh GOP, one of my several at this point, GOP coded beliefs oh, okay. and, and things, which is that like they really need to restrict edible and they need to put real regulations on packaging because it all looks like candy for kids. It looks like yeah. delicious these, chips. Yeah. And it's not just chips. It's like all these kids are eating or there are all these stories about kids going to the emergency room because their parents have bought edibles and they think it's candy. And you're just like, because it is, it is, candy. It, is. it literally is, <laughs> it candy. is literally candy. And my thing is just like, how fucking hard is it, guy? Like, I'm sorry, you know, like, uh, you know, 
freedom people, right? Like, or like, oh man, <laughs> like, sure. d- don't like you're acting uncool like a cop. It was like when Mindy Isser got like canceled online because she was saying that she didn't like it when she was on public transportation, people smoking weed inside of the car when she had her baby and everyone was like don't be a narc are you a cop and you're just like are you fucking kidding you know (laughs) like a mother can't complain that some i'm like i'm like person is smoking weed next to her child do you know how antisocial that behavior is if you see a child and you just light up like that's fucking crazy you know like like i'm sorry you can complain about it you don't have to say this person belongs in jail but it's the same thing where it's, it's like like Oh, really? I'm sorry. Is this like impinging on your ability to get high that there's a giant label or like that it's in some sort of container that you can open, but a child well, cannot? The last know? time we like, talked oh, about no, this. Oh, that's, no, that's a police. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But the about? last time we <laughs> talked about this, Jay, I even thought you were sounding a little like dad about this. But now I am. Now you get oh, it. So yeah, but now, now I'm it. like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah. I oh, actually, so I've done this rant before? Okay. Well, yeah. Right. Well, I, so I was like packing and then my friend was like, I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Like, I think I ate something <laughs> weird. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I just started like lying down on my floor. I also was like finishing up a work call. It was like a total disaster. And like, anyway, it was a very, um, I feel very. Uh, How'd you realize yeah. that what, what had happened? So I, I actually, it was like an inspection of the bag. Like my friend had eaten a few of the chips as well and started to feel a little bit funny like an hour later and then was like, oh, my God, I think it's the chips. And then we like t- took the bag out of the garbage and we were like, fuck. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. How many milligrams was, is it? Do you know? I don't know. Can you see 50 this? milligrams like, what is per bag. 50 milligrams per bag? Oh, Is that a lot? Boy. Yeah. If I eat five, then oh, I like am in a coma. But that's oh very God. low tolerance for general, because I. But, but I would say like. Well, I never do this. So ten I is, was ten is like die. a normal dose. Yeah, of I would say like fifty yeah. is quite a lot. It's not. I don't think the bag is meant for. A Wednesday. The bag is also like eleven dollars. So this is a you know. <laughs> this is a great goodie bag. Yeah, this- you ate about four <laughs> times a normal dosage, <laughs> having and having never done any of this. and having That's never done that and i like hadn't eaten lunch anyway the whole thing was just a nightmare and so we barely made it we like had to take two trains to new jersey transit and then the air train after that and then stand in line and do all this and like i we barely made it yeah i was we, still yeah. like high like when we were landing when did so <laughs> when did you feel it when did you start actually feeling it a lot like when you got to oh. charles de gaulle or Oh no, I, it was gone by then, but like, cause I oh, was pack, I was packing like hours before. Oh, you mean like you had it in the US? I ate it in the US in my apartment. Oh, oh I thought, I thought this no. was like a event in Paris. Then you had to get oh, back. No, 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 no. This was on the way. So it was, that's why it was so concerning. Cause I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to get, I have to, get to, to the Newark. Wow. Um, wow. And I definitely, yeah. So I almost called 911, but then after we fished out the bag from the thing, I was like, oh my God, we just ate a lot of pot. <laughs> <laughs> but I also great... like had no idea what the 50 milligrams meant. You like should the whole write thing about was this. Like... This is a great, I love anyway, this. Anyway, so it was so I mean, crazy. you're here safe, so it's a good story. Thank God. I know. But, um, 
You should and I do, just was thinking, like, write the entire, a short piece with I know, like, the entire like, time, like, in line and on the train and stuff, like, I got, it made me, like, extremely paranoid. So I, would, like, happens. had this feeling that all these people were trying to steal my passport and my shit. So I was, like, get, you know, almost, I, like, almost got into this fight with the woman sitting next to me. It was just, like. <laughs> About what? Wow. Because I was just, like, because she was trying to switch seats. And I was just, like, why would I switch seats with you? Like. And I'm plane? like clutching my stuff because I thought she was gonna. <laughs> it was the like worst. Like she was gonna like this was on the plane. This is on you the thought, plane. You thought she was stealing your stuff like, and like yeah, parachute so like, out and putting my passport like in like safer and safer places. Okay, this is anyway. Incredible. It was just a horrible day. You should so really I'm develop now, this. Like, and... On like Jay's thing about like yes, we need better packaging. Thank for... you, thank yeah. you. You know, it's, like, you're you're on the slippery slope here, Tammy. At some reactionary politics. Do better, Al Harrington. You're gonna start writing about <laughs> the excesses of oh wokeness God. in America. You know, and before you know it, you'll know exactly what the Sam Harris podcast is and, and what it's about. <laughs> We'll be guests on it, Jay. <laughs> well, I don't know. You oh Mar- you and Marine Dowd are now in the same club of having done this. And I don't know. I think it's messed up. I mean, it's very powerful. And it's like almost like a full-bodied experience. And I would fi- I would say I don't eat edibles because it's I don't find it to be a pleasant experience. It's like too intense in a way, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen in terms of the paranoia or whatever, right? And there's no regulations on how they make this stuff, right? So like- yeah. It could be anything in there. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, it's not like they're they're cooking fentanyl in the fucking brownies. No, but like, you know, <laughs> they could put any type of You just, just touch the pa- packaging and I passed out, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. There's like total, oh there's like, God. anyway, whatever. I don't, we don't have to go on my anti, uh, that there should be packaging regulations on edibles rant because it's It honestly, is crazy because I just looked up faded puffs and I mean, all of the flavors are, it's just so, I don't know, like mala spice. Yes, uh, mine was mala like, spice. And I'm like, who doesn't like a mala chip? You know, It just seems way too precious, but also like, how could they possibly be paying that much attention to every part of this well, process? You know? Okay, look at the place where it says for adults. It's so small. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then I had 21 no plus, it's like tiny. It's like basically. It's so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like gambling apps <sighs> anyway, saying call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, well, I don't know. that. I don't think you messed up. I think whoever <laughs> put it in that bag messed up without telling people. I mean, it's not like I don't I this is honestly the part I don't understand. It's like like people are acting like behaving like libertarians here. Right. Like it's like just put some packaging on it and also tell people like some people really have adverse relationships to eating a ton of weed, especially if you're giving them something that they don't know that they're making, that they might just eat all in one go. It's a bag of chips, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I don't know. I have to find it to be irresponsible behavior. That's all. I'll tisk tisk them. You don't have to narc out whoever through this (laughs) event, but you know, I have my suspicions. They were very (laughs) precious, but oh my God. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to, we had you back on the show because we are doing our rolling third year anniversary. And like I said before, it's, we're kind of like a 24 year old in Manhattan who uh, decides that they're going to have a birthday week. Did you have any of those friends when you were younger? (laughs) Uh, Birthday week? Yeah. Like, like, I I don't think it's a... I yeah, like they're it, like we're turning thirty, and then it's not really a no. thing, big thing in the Asian 
American community, I would say, but there are communities in which, and uh, in which like people. <laughs> that's such a weird thing yeah, that's to a say. Weird, uh... <laughs> Wait, are you are you denying that this is true? I feel like you know? I'm kind it's of denying this. It's so funny. Really? Yeah, I don't. I okay. Oh. I had I none of my friends. Maybe it is generational because I would say none of my friends d- did this. But once I feel I, like it's just actually not that common in general. Or is I, it? I don't know. I don't know. I think I, a lot of like I've seen a lot of people month. do it. Yeah. Well, not birthday months, but people like people. It used to be like in the days of like 2007 or so, 2006, okay. right <laughs> when I was younger, in my early 30s and um, late 20s, that there would be certain 25, 26 year olds that I. Wait, you were in your early 30s in 2006? No, he no. was not. No, no you're younger. Not. than I was me. in my late. Yeah, I was in my late 20s. <laughs> okay. But there would be other people that I knew who I like felt very ambivalently towards, but who were you know within my circle of friends, who would send out these emails, and the emails would be something to the effect of, "Hey, everybody, let's get excited about my birthday, you know, and here are the <laughs> events that I have planned for this week." Totally. And I'd be like, "What the fuck are you?" talking about you know like are you are you embarrassed aren't you by an this? adult like who gives a shit you're oh no you've turned 25 years old let me drop everything and go to three themed events for you this week she's like what like what type of who raised you to like want to do this and to project yourself out in the world Wait, in but your problem is the multiple events not like yeah 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 because yeah, okay. it's yeah, this extended yeah. celebrate and there are a lot of asks like come to miami this weekend and then like we're gonna do this other what? thing back in well, the wait, no, no, wait no no no, no. Tammy, that's not within my what? text yeah. okay you guys you like a, you're describing like a like a bachelor happens. party or something no <laughs> but this? people do this for their birthdays like round numbered birthdays and i'm like i don't do this this is so weird i would never celebrate working in like corporate law or something like that after law school where you're doing this I don't know yeah, anyone who's insane. like, come yeah. to Miami. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mine yeah. was like, let's go. Like, mine was always something like, and this is when I was living in San Francisco. It'd be like, oh, you know, we're going to have dinner at House of Prime Ribs on Monday, you know? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to that, you know? And then on Wednesday, we're going to go to Ocean Beach and we're going to do a bonfire. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to that one either, you know? And then at some point, it'd be like, oh uh, you know, and then we're going to go to a bar after that. I'd be like, maybe I'll walk down to the bar, you know, and I'll say hello. But like, you know, people do this, but this is what we have done while this time. We're just blowing out our third anniversary and we're going to have guests who have come on before. Um, and we're going to play them a clip that came from the first time they were on the show. Is Oof, that okay? Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Wait. So I thought you were having all the guests. <laughs> I thought you were having all the guests in on one episode. No, that's we, not happening. That would be such no. chaos. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't instead, even read the email carefully enough. Uh, yeah, instead we're having an extended birth. We're doing birthday week. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, and I know. Look, I don't mean so, if if you're my friend and you did this when we were in our twenties and you're listening to this, I don't hold it against you right now. You know, but I, and there's no reason to bring it up when we see each other. <laughs> However, you know, you should know <laughs> oh that at God. the time I was judging you. You know, but now I don't. No, what, okay, what if it was two <laughs> things hilarious. on the same day? <laughs> That's slightly better, That's but it's like still an extended bad. party. I just uh, like that Jay thinks this is racialized. He's like, Asian yeah. Americans don't do this. Yeah. Are you talking about white culture of some form? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not. Okay. Please, Let's make it you know, I'm not saying the Latinos with their multi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I'm trying to read more. You know, um, yeah. It's it was mostly people. It's like who fratty, kind of like. No, yeah. I don't think it's Freddie. I think it, it, you know what it was? I think at the time I was working in tech, you know, or oh. not work. I wasn't working in tech. I was living in San Francisco with a lot tech of people adjacent. who worked in tech. 
And uh, it was a lot of tech workers who did this. And I think it kind of go went around the ethos of tech at the time, which is that we should act like a bunch of fucking children all the time. And we should, you know, celebrate ourselves and like throw big events and be great. It's like the, you know, yeah. I reviewed the book about Tony Shea, right? The Zappos founder. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like he was like that, you know, he's like, what if we did like the biggest festival of all time? Totally. What if I revitalized downtown uh, Las Vegas and turned it into like the world's greatest tech innovation, live music and ketamine hub, you know, and you're just <laughs> like, wow, you know, and then of course he doesn't fall through any of these, you know, and, you know, I don't know, that's kind of what tech world was like at the time and mm. that you know part of that i think was we're gonna do these elaborate birthday weeks anyway we don't have to talk about this anymore <laughs> all right well we're gonna play this clip for you all right um first up uh you can cringe through it it's okay but you know i listen pre-listened to them and it's, it's totally great. fine sure like what, what about this general idea like do you think that there is something about the asian american canon that is somewhat obsessed with humanizing asian americans for white people and is this film an example of that I think all of the, the sort of like diasporic communities have this burden of like, you know, kind of making explanatory art, you know, that has been like an issue. Um, and I wonder why, if you have thoughts on like kind of that multiculturalism period that I know that you've written a lot about, but um, I think I don't felt, I, I don't personally didn't feel like this film falls into that at all. I feel like that is definitely a discussion to have around like Joy Luck and maybe other films of that particular era. Um, but yeah, and I think now I, I feel that a lot more of like Asian American cultural production has moved a lot away from that. Mm. But yeah, I think there was like a period where that was like definitely heavy. Yeah. 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 I think if he hadn't made Joy's, uh, Joy Luck Club, I wouldn't even <laughs> think about that, you know, but then I just mm. made Joy Luck Club. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, uh, it's like a weird burden to put on, put on the film, right? Because it seems like, He's very conscious of different kind of types of gazes, but it doesn't feel like it's sociological, but not like, not in a way that I think you walk away thinking like, oh, now, like, now I get it. Now I understand everything about <laughs> the Chinese American community. Um, and yet I think it is just sort of like what Tammy was just saying. It is this burden, if you want to call it that, that, you know, a lot of artists feel. And I think he's very conscious of it but I think this is really just an attempt to like kind of fuck with people more than while also representing kind of like the complexity of their lives. Okay. The film that we were talking about was uh, Chan is missing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about that on the show enough where I don't feel like we have to introduce it, but it was, you know, a sort of iconic version. And when we talked, I think the greater conversation that we're having there is what is the burden that, people feel and then how do they deal with it i think it's something that you know we've talked about a lot but we've also thought about a lot but you know we had this conversation almost four years three years ago and so i was wondering ago. now yeah, that, that you've so nuts it's really oh go ahead oh yeah yeah well now that you've been through <laughs> reflecting it reflecting on the passage of time where like your work was talked about in this larger context but i think there, in, in an interesting way it wasn't really talked about so much in like a representation political way. Like I think it had a broader conversation about it, but still obviously it's a book about Asian people and it's going to be mm -hmm. discussed by Asian people in that context, right? I remember seeing some review, I think. I think it was in New York Magazine or something maybe where they're like, this is like the type, of, it's like an advance in the way in which Asian Americans right. will write about themselves or something like that. I mean, how, how do you, 
how do you feel about all of this? Now? <laughs> <laughs> Hearing that clip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to that clip. I was just thinking about how that was three years ago. Yeah, almost. Yeah. I mean, that was before like Minari hadn't come out, come out yet. Right. Right. Everything everywhere definitely was not a thing. Uh, beef wasn't a thing. I mean, just sort of nuts to think about how accelerated that yeah. these questions yeah. of representation, like accelerated into the ground in a way after all of these things. But um, I don't know, like it's, I assigned Chan is missing again this semester for my mm. students. And I feel like when I made kids watch it in like 2010, a majority of them, I don't know, like they didn't really get, nobody watches films like that right? out of, out of choice, right? Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think you should, and like I did, but I think like if you're in this class, like, and a professor's like, oh, here's this like interesting right. experimental or like indie film from the 80s, like it, it's it's so unlike things people were watching in like 2011, but also 2023. But I feel like as the years have passed, more students will casually just be like, oh, I actually really love that. Or mm. it just maybe because at this point it seems so radically different, it's it's more appealing to them. But it's wild to think about that movie or just sort of those conversations we had three years ago in relation to these like super monolithic events. I mean, I feel like those are everything everywhere, Minari. I'm sure I'm missing other things too you, that have happened. Yeah, but there's been a bunch, right? Will you be my maybe? I don't know. Like, yeah, especially right, in like right. film and TV. Yeah. Right. But like, I feel like everything everywhere in Minari, particularly, yeah. it was like 1000% approval rating. Mm -hmm. There's like a unanimity around it. Um, well, sort of. Let's say 95%, very, very loud 5%. There's some distractors. You know? yeah, but, but, yeah. but, but, you know what I mean? Institutions that deeply matter, which exactly. is like, you know, box office. And the then, Academy. Then yeah. Award season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really weird because people, when my book came out, people would ask me like, oh, what do you think about being part of this world? And like, it's, or like they they would ask me about those films mm. and like these moments. Interesting. And I'm like, it's just honestly just weird to me because when I was young, I didn't think it was possible, but I, I didn't feel bad about it. I was just like, it's not really worth wanting something that seems so impossible. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. Well, I think I've maybe I've talked about this before when you're on the show, uh, but one of our early conversations was like you telling me that you thought it was weird, you know, that, that, because that I was like embarking on this career. This is like right at the beginning of it. And you're, you didn't say this in a discouraging way. It was literally in like a way where you're curious about it, where you're just like, oh, I, you know, like nobody really cares what we think as Asian dudes, you know? And I was at the time, I was in this delusion. This was sort of what I talked about Stephen Yoon about a lot when I interviewed him. Which well, you mean like way back in the day when I was like blogging in the Atlantic? And yeah, you were, yeah, and yeah, you yeah, yeah. Just, okay, yeah. This was like two. I don't know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So like yeah, years ago or something like that. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, I, anyway, I was like, I was in like this state where I was just like. It doesn't like I understand that this is reality, but it doesn't matter because like I'm so talented that it like they'll you know like I'm gonna make it and <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking care you know and um 
but you were right, you know, at the time. <laughs> and I think I understood that you were right, that nobody really cared, you know? And then now we're in this moment where like, I don't know, like, I don't mean to put it on you, but like, you know, you've had these two movies, like you said, like Jenny's show, um, you know, on Netflix, Jenny Han's show is like a huge hit. Like people oh, yeah. watch, yeah, um, you have like Steven. Wait, is that um, the summer? All the boys I've ever known. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And then you have like, uh, you have Korean shows that are being popular. We, this is something we talk about all the time. We don't have to go over it. But, you know, it's, it's, that's like a 13 year period or 12 year period. And yeah. It's been super strange to have witnessed. And, um, you know, Tammy and my running joke on the show is that we've, we've overreached, you know, like we've, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> too many. There's too no, much. It is, uh, but, you know, we you know, overcorrected I, the problem. <laughs> but when I said that in 2011, 2012, uh, I think I, I, I recall having a similar conversation with Tammy, not about the same things, but I think in general, I'm always just like, yeah, this career, it's like a weird career yeah. to, to want to get into. Like, I don't actually, I didn't find it dispiriting when I said that to you. I was just like, it's actually kind of freeing. Mm that nobody cares because it just means that you don't have these like lines you have to color within. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like when I was in grad school and I would see how there were these like networks of mentorship for like black scholars, I thought that was so cool. But the fact that there was like zero or like very little of that for me, it was actually more interesting to then be like, well, I'll just do whatever. I'll just figure out a different hmm different path which has which is like much lower stakes and lower impact but i don't know like it's kind of freeing in a way if you don't have that expectation maybe but right. uh, but it is crazy now because it's sort of impossible to have any of these conversations without it somehow being a commentary on like all these massive things that like mm -hmm. i was at a q and like a q and a for my book Last fall, someone asked me about Minari. And I'm like, I haven't actually seen Minari. And someone's like, you haven't seen Minari? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> so you're a bad weird. Asian. And it was a joke, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I was also like, I thought we I thought we all had to watch Better Luck Tomorrow. And then we all had to watch Fresh Off the Boat. And then we all had to watch Shang-Chi. But I didn't know we still had to do that for all these things. Because they <laughs> seem so to many. be successful regardless <laughs> of, you know, whether we're getting a van and everyone from campus is going, you know, like, and that's cool, but it also just means I think there's more critical distance or critical space to be like, you know, do I really want this? Like, is this me? Yeah. And uh, I feel lucky though, because I don't think I could have published my book, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago. I feel like there was space for it mm -hmm. to not feel like it had to be representative of everything because, you know, there, there was just, a larger market, I guess, for books like that. Totally. So. Well, I was curious because I, I know like in your academic work too, like you do Asian American stuff, but you're not really like an Asian Americanist and you teach lots of different topics. And, um, but, but now like, do you feel that like with this book, people are kind of trying to put you, like make you something that you, you kind of didn't intend to be in terms of like, being like an Asian American memoirist as opposed to like a music writer or somebody who's writing about style and pop culture? I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I mean, it's, I feel like everything we do enters into a marketplace. Yeah. For better, for worse. Fair enough. And, you know, like I love Maxine Hong Kingston. 
she's like a, like an artist who's inspired me. But like that, yeah. that formative debate she had with Frank Chin, it was mm-hmm. about like aesthetics and ethics and things, but it was also about like a market share right. because the IE authors were like, you know, now everyone wants what Maxine has written, like not, not the kind of stuff we're into. Yeah. And so I don't know, like, I don't really, I try not to think about that stuff because yeah. I think I've always just liked writing about different things, but uh, it's also sort of impossible not to understand how you're being positioned or embraced. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's, I think something you just can't has control happened. It right. And it's not, completely beyond your control and it is not an intentional thing, but I do think that there is a place in which there is a desire for perhaps for things that are, um, identity driven in a way just meaning that they're written by people who aren't white but that are somehow you know like this is a type of thing that you'll find in when you talk to enough television movie executives right where they're like but what's a universal part of it right and this is a conversation i saw that kathy um park hong and minjin lee were having on twitter where minjin was like well it's the end of asian american month and one thing i want you to i'm paraphrasing but she was like like, don't throw your parents oh, under yeah. the bus, you know, like, uh, like write positive parent stories. Right. Because uh, people are watching and they'll think that like, you know, like this is the community is just this type of parental strife. And then Kathy wrote back and I think, you know, in, in a way that I at least agreed with, which was that, you know, like people should just write about what they want to write about, right? They shouldn't feel the burden of having to like, fulfill, like be PR for the Asian American <laughs> staff she said it more respectfully than that, as would I, you know, if I was speaking to Minjin, because I like Minjin, and Minjin's response was like, okay, we agree, you know, it was like kind of one of those things where two giant forces within a very small community where they know every single person is like sending this to, I sent it to Tammy and May like immediately, you know, I was like, whoa, you know. Um, wait, wait, wait. It's like nuclear fusion or fission yeah, or something. Yeah, wait, <laughs> But like they're both, but they're they're like peers, right? I mean, right, right. No, that's yeah. what it's I not mean. like. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's not both... like one of the the Shib twins was like tweeting at them, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, like no. Like some no. other like adjacent right, right. yeah, Shib. No, yeah, in yeah. this yeah. within the same. Yeah, yeah, no, within this okay. tiny world, right? Okay, you know? right. But I was watching it like, whoa, you know, like if there's gonna like if they're gonna really argue this out. Like, oh, I, have, oh, I see. I, yeah, I see. yeah okay. the, the um, world might explode. And then, like, the West, Shohei like... Otani jumps in. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Like, Amy Osaka is like, <laughs> you know, I have thoughts on this too. Exactly. <laughs> I thought that was actually a really weird thing for Minjin to say. Not because I mean I don't. It doesn't matter to me like how she feels about whether we should be good or bad to our parents. But like to my mind, I think of most like stereotypical Asian American like cultural production is actually like being pretty down or sorry, being pretty praising of the, the parents. Right. Right. It's as all opposed like, to down on the parents. It's all right. like, Oh, they sacrificed for us. Blah, blah, blah. So I actually was like, Oh, isn't it the opposite? <laughs> it's it sort of, it is always like a, the, you know, like they, they fought their way through all this. Yeah. And like maybe sometimes my life was not as easy as it was for uh, my white classmates growing up in Scarsdale, New York. But however, we, <laughs> We persevered and I learned some of the lessons of the old world. Like that's the stereotypical version. Exactly. Right? That's or, what I thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit strange, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I, the reason why I brought that up wasn't just to like see that conversation, but it was more just to <laughs> yeah. say that, but we can have that conversation. I think the reason I brought it up was more that like, it is a little bit like, I think that there is this thing where 
there's this idea that one should make the story like quote unquote universal. That's what television executives or movie executives or whoever will say is like, where's the, where's the universality in the story? Mm-hmm. And I do think it's interesting to think about these two memoirs that have been wildly successful. Why I don't mean to embarrass you, but I think that yours qualifies as that. I think you would understand that as well. And then also crying in H Mart, right. Which is also a wildly successful memoir in a way that, um, sold more copies than like you know uh i don't know than anyone will ever sell (laughs) right it sold sold a lot of copies it was like on the it was like you know like you look at a nonfiction bestseller list and you realize like some books just always sell and it doesn't matter they're always gonna be top three like tara westover's educated was like Mm -hmm. i bet it's still in the bestseller list like i don't know like it feels like every american has bought that book at this point you know (laughs) um but that you know, that these are books that are not discussed explicitly within identity and that there is some sort of thing that will make them make it sort of pan out into into something else. And it's interesting because you think about it critically, if you sort of use your usual annoying, not you, but like me, use your usual annoying critical faculties about it, then you try and find some way in which like all of this happens because of the man, you know, like we're all, like all this... <laughs> Right. Well, I, uh-huh. they, yeah. they chose these books and they're highlighting them, you know, <laughs> because they're trying to water down our politics, you know. And in fact, like, That's you hilarious. know, instead of caring about our friends or our father, you know, like what we are is like, you know, we're in radical. So they don't write. They don't feature books that feature me in radical solidarity with like you know, <laughs> with other activists or something like that i got oh those, those God, thoughts through hilarious. but i don't know like Wait, how- that is your that's your version of the man is like uh wait so what was that character because at first i thought it was like some andrew tate the man oh no then, no 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 it no. turned into like uh no know. i'm saying that like i think that there is a version of this where you examine those types of books and you say that they're the success of anything like, right is because and i think this is what minjin was kind of saying which is yeah. that like we have a responsibility to present ourselves in the best light possible like in the most political light possible i think would be the modern version yeah, of it right and so. that yeah. um and that anything that is popular is only popular because oh it yeah sort of, no, i like, get what you're saying yeah because yeah. it yeah. kind yeah. of plays sure. footsie with the man right and like okay, what the, man, right, right, what the right. man wants is just us to be these like friends of theirs you know who right. don't really bring up race but like will recommend a great okay, restaurant I got you. Yeah. yeah yeah that that's sort of it um i don't know but i don't i just don't think that that's even true at this point i don't just say it because we're friends but i just think like it's because there has been this explosion and it sometimes makes me think that you know the representation people as much as annoying as they might have been were did a service in exploding the amount of things that were out there just so that like people didn't feel the type of pressure that Minjin is talking right. about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And Minjin, I, I certainly didn't. Yeah. Yeah. The way I probably would have had I been able to write this like 10 years ago or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah. um yeah, it's interesting though because yeah, I mean that when you think about it, I don't know what she like what she's referring to is this age old, you know, we're talking about Joy Luck Club earlier, like it is this trope of the Asian American experience. Right. But I don't know, like it, it's sort of in everything everywhere, but then it gets resolved, I guess. I mean, I feel like the sure. only popular, but like what's weird about saying something like that is that we now have these, these like texts that are so popular, you know, that it, it's no longer just this thought experience. It's no longer this abstraction 
So you can look at the most popular things and say, like, is this in play in all these popular things? Did you? Does that make did, sense? Yeah. Like yeah, crying yeah. in H Mart is about how much Michelle loves her mother, and right. you know, uh, the only outlier might be like beef, but there's like ten incredibly popular things now, and none of them are doing exactly what Minjin is saying. Mm-hmm. But what she's saying still, like you know, we still feel it because that's just sort of been this trope for so long, I guess. I see. Yeah, yeah. maybe I I, it was interesting I, at the I end just... of Beef. I don't think Jay's seen it yet, but like, Pa, did you see it? I did. The crows and like the kind of rhythm and sort of even like spatial structure. I think of the last episode and the ending definitely to me like had resonances with everything everywhere. You mean when they were? Wait, Jay's, are you going to watch it, Jay? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm just so behind <laughs> okay. on stuff that I can't watch it. No, my right friend, now. my friend, I, before I had finished watching, my friend wrote me an email and the subject line was like, the final scene of beef in which, and then explain everything. What? <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote it for That was the subject line. And then oh the body God. was like, it was awesome. And so, that's hilarious yeah and did you, but, like, did you, he was, but he was basically like where like this one song plays and i was just like oh my god i can't believe they used that song and then uh and so in the final episode there are all these moments where it felt like it could end but i was like nope what's the song just that's tell me the funny. song it won't smashing pumpkins mayonnaise Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday for the end of Asian American Representation Month that James Eha really gets a short stick, you know, around all of this sort of stuff. <laughs> he right? does now, but I feel, but, you no, know, I, I have the, like... He's not celebrated as a pioneer that he was. He's not canonical? Yeah, but, like, but I feel like he, I mean, he has been in the past. I think it's just because it's the like death of print media that... uh that, oh, that memory never. <laughs> hey, why? Why is it related there's to There's no the continuity for Eha. Because there's no oh continuity. God. I feel like there are uh, like because I have all these back issues of A Magazine from the late '90s, uh, like Asian Week, where like James Eha would always mm. get thrown into things, or like amazing ads. But I do feel like there's probably a generation of people who worked at those magazines or in like mm-hmm. adjacent magazines who would have, you know, had the print world not. Gotten oh, so crazy over the past fifteen years, they would still have that memory, you know. So, okay, every so. like nine months in our Discord, there's like a vigil kind of process for James Eha. I mean, not that he's dead, but he's, just he's, like I think he's fine, right? No, not that he's dead, but I mean, like okay. kind of like a remembrance thing where like we go over his fashion, like, right? No, he's <laughs> so he he crops up. Oh yeah. <laughs> what about you- Sean Lennon though? He has not gotten any love in the Discord, but yeah, as an Asian American avatar, yeah. I don't know. I think he's had, yeah. Was it the same with him? I don't remember him being sort of thought of as much that way. Well, now he's like has like weird politics, so I think people stay away from him a little oh. bit. But like, what about like the guy from uh, Slint, David Pataho? I think it's right. David Pataho. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get that either, right? Our our man and your neighbor in uh, the South Bay uh mike park he doesn't get that either you know mike park really should have right but these are all the these are all the grievances that i think about when i'm sitting around (laughs) like at at midnight unable to sleep and i think about these things like i think some people think that i don't think about these things but like i do think about them but i only i just think about them in very very narrow ways which is mostly centered around mike park (laughs) yeah mike park (laughs) <laughs> like 
these young kids think that beat a booty or whatever that girl's name is you know who, like <laughs> on fucking tiktok was the first right, right. asian or like they they think mitski is the no first respect. is like some sort of right. fight what about mike park skanking in san jose and like you know 1991 <laughs> or something like that yeah and then i actually get furious about it you know like i think about it i'm just like you know, we've, we're erasing all this stuff. Have I you feel ever like met him, Jay? Because I feel like you talk about him a lot. Yeah, and I know, I but if... I'm like, I've basically <laughs> been like, uh, I don't know. I think it, at this point, my obsession with him has gotten to the point where it would be too weird to actually write an article, you know? It's like <laughs> oh, the you art- should. The article you would be the type should. of article that I will, I admit that I write a lot of times, right? Which is like, I think that when where I you're describe processing. it myself, I'm deeply annoyed at myself, but I don't know how else to do it. But it's like, it would just be me 80% of the article would just be about me thinking about Mike Park and then Mike Park would appear for like 20% of You're very good at that form yeah, and no. I think you should embrace it and run <laughs> this with would it. Be, this should be a public service for... Yeah, I feel it, like we've been talking about this for years. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> 30, uh, 40, 40 to 55 year old Asian dudes from San Jose would be like, this is the greatest article I've ever written. <laughs> that would be about so, it. Very so like, you know, he was in the South Bay and he... Uh, you know, he had the label and we had like a local ska band at Limbrook called the janitors against apartheid. Oh, that's and a great nice. name, by the that's way. A great name. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the, uh, one of the saxophonists, I believe was this Asian guy, Mike Liu. Okay. And whenever, when I first met Mike Luo at the New Yorker, <laughs> at the New Yorker. <laughs> I was like, I, st- I suddenly thought, thought of Mike Liu who was in, uh, janitors against apartheid. Oh and, for a moment, I was like, wait, is that Mike from Janners Against Apartheid? <laughs> but it's not. Okay, um, if anybody knows. This is- but they have like, it's weird because oh they're like, they actually had, as far as I remember, like kind of a similarly shaped face. And so uh, I always, That's it's the always the funniest sort of, thing I've ever heard. There's always a little bit of like, you know, like a ska vibe whenever I'm talking to Mike, so <laughs> see, I feel like this history is like I don't know. I think about it, like this is the type of oh wish you know, and you know, I think this is sort of why people gravitated to your book in a lot of ways is that you know this is part of that of yeah that history that is I think actually is kind of universal. Like who wouldn't want to read about a ska band as janitors against apartheid? That's like at, I don't know. I imagine Limbrook at the time was still majority Asian, right? <laughs> High school. Uh, it wasn't. It it didn't peak. It was probably like thirty. Yeah, that's insane to me. You yeah, know? I mean, it's still a lot, but it wasn't like by the early two thousands, it was like sixty or seventy. Right, wow. right. Yeah. And, uh, they're all inspired by this dude, this Korean American dude who started this uh weird record label called the Asian Man Records. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which now that you think about it, it's so Ew, weird. That's amazing. And the biggest ska bands in America are like signed to this label and they're all these white dudes. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I okay, I maybe that. I'll finally do it. It's you gotta been, do it. You gotta it's do, been it. do it. It's been literally ten years like... where I've been threatening to do this and I've I feel never like it's time. Um it's okay. Time. Also, I mean, I think with that generation of people who are doing things like independently before the internet i think that they don't necessarily understand the impact that they actually had because Mm -hmm. they don't they're not on social media in quite the same way like this is the 30th anniversary either this year next year of giant robot like the right right and i feel like they existed their heyday was like before the internet as it now exists Mm -hmm. as this like social space it was more of like just 
a bunch of directories back then. Mm-hmm. And so people are just learning about them again now, primarily right. through like the Linda Lindas, um, the band. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Martin, another one. Martin Wong, one of the, um, not the founder, but like the, the co-editor of Giant Robot, like his kid is in the Linda Lindas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I forgot that. Uh, which is like also an incredible story. But, you know, I feel like people like Mike Park, you know, Giant Robot, there's just so many things that kind of had a thing, had a presence, mm-hmm. but then the internet sort of eviscerated our cultural memory of anything that existed before it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was I, also I, that retrospective recently of Godzilla, the Asian American arts Network yes. Thing. So I feel like there, there maybe there will be kind of like a return reclamation of some of this stuff. I have this uh, assignment in my, my class where I have students design a syllabus because, like, I teach this Asian American lit class. I'm like, there's no way my class could be that comprehensive. Mm-hmm. There's tons of blind spots. So you, for your final research, a blind spot, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of like strand you're interested in, and and mm-hmm. right. And someone did something about popular culture. And there's a week in, in the class where they assigned the Godzilla book. And mm-hmm. Godzilla was like this anti-capitalist, anti-gentrification, like this like really radical arts group collective in the 1990s. And they assigned that alongside Steve Aoki's autobiography. Wow. And I'm like, wow. that would be an unbelievable week of that discussion. Really talking about Steve Aoki and Godzilla at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Aoki really was like in that type. Of, I mean, his family at least is very interesting to talk about, right? Like in terms of all of that, like his dad yeah. started Benihana, Benihana. his sister was his sister. like the biggest model in the world for a while mm-hmm. and like kind of had a very interesting look that you could talk about a lot. I don't know. I feel like I sh- what I should end- eventually write well, maybe we can co-edit this, even though, you know, I, I don't know if you, now that you've won the Pulitzer, you uh, are down for this type of. <laughs> I'm only leveraging it to do weird things, you know, like getting on, getting on Shoemaker's podcast. We should uh, make a, we should, we should. Manufacturing we should, novelty championship belts. We should do like a, we should do like a bro slash dirtbags history of Asian America, you know, and just <laughs> put in like, um, you know, it could just all be about, um all these sort of forgotten moments like Mike Park or, you know, I don't know. I thought about it. I was just like, I, I've thought about this actually the past couple of weeks where it's just like, cause I was writing about dumbfounded, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah. battle rapper. And um, he's been around for a long time and his videos have been out for a long time. And I was like, I was like, I think that when I write, you know, like if I have an audience or something like that, that I think about or that I'm trying to appeal to, or that I hope likes my work. It's like Korean American dudes who listen to Dumbfounded. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, I don't care, you know. But I think if those dudes got mad at me or something like that, I'm sure some of them are, you know. That um, that I would be hurt by that. And, <laughs> That's um, your target population. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like as I grow older and like uh, um, that my cultural identification has actually narrowed you know like to an extremely small percentage of people and it's basically just like korean dudes who watch battle rap videos and like that's about it (laughs) wait tammy do you have a similar (laughs) sort of core demo that you're you're writing toward (laughs) i can't say i do it's definitely not that specific (laughs) yeah what about you did you what about you huh no not really but i mean 
I'm thinking about this partly because I've just been reading Ed Park's new book, Same Bed, Different Dreams. I really want to read that. Yeah. It's it's incredible. But for for a while, I was just sort of writing to amuse Ed. That like I feel like sometimes <laughs> we're just writing for people we know. Mm-hmm. And we're writing for editors, obviously, but Ed was just such a delightful editor early in my career that mm-hmm. I was like, if I could amuse Ed, um, that's like a goal. But mm-hmm. I don't really have like a yeah, I don't know. It's certainly not like as clearly defined as Jay's. Well, I write all the. I think that part of that is just because I have to. I write so often now that like there has to be like some sort of idea behind it, you know. Um, not not in terms of the piece, but like I have to reinforce in my brain what my mission for doing like all that. this is. You know. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I'm just like, well, I don't know those dudes don't really have much of a voice and you know i'm very similar to them uh in my upbringing <laughs> and general outlook on life and you know like it's like if some dude who i look down his twitter timeline and 80 percent of the tweets are just him yelling about how awesome kobe kobe is you know like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the rest of them are like really like weird like uh you know like sharing clips of like battle rap then i if i found that person then i would feel like and they would retweet it by piece. I would feel very happy about it. But I, outside of that, it's just <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. Like it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just getting old or something like that, but it's, it's almost impossible to think about. Um, thank you for listening to our show. Uh, as I said, at the beginning of the show, you can subscribe to our, sh- uh, and help support our show for $5 a month and gain access to all sorts of stuff, including our, um, discord server. It's a uh, goodbye.substack.com or patreon.com slash ttsg if you'd like to contact us it's time to say goodbye pod at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on twitter at ttsg pod uh, until next week well thank you for coming on for the record fourth time oh this is so much fun <laughs>